Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, though him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that, ha- that he has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be gathered here today. We thank you for your word. And Father, I pray today that your word will not just be information, but may be revelation. And Lord, in order for us to understand the word of God, we need illumination. We need the Holy Spirit to make the word of God come alive in our hearts. And we can't just do that with the mental faculties that you've given to us. We need more than that. So God in heaven, send your Holy Spirit in and through the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'd like to talk today about this wonderful book, the Gospel of John, and we're just going to look at the part of the prologue, the prologue's verse 1 to 18. We're just going to have a look at verse 1 to 5. But this Gospel of John takes us to another dimension. Now, I love Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I love the synoptic Gospel. But when you look at this Gospel here, there is a dimension here that you see that you just don't see in the other Gospels. And there's a lot of things to say about that, but I won't have time. But one thing that stands out to me in this Gospel of John more than all the the other Gospels is that Jesus Christ is saying a lot of things about himself, about who, who he is, and the relationship that he has with his Father. Now, that comes out over and over and over again. And key words such as belief, which is mentioned 98 times in the Gospel of John. The word belief, the word faith. It's there, you go down to verse 12, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the authority, the right to believe in his name. And you go to the last verse, second last chapter of the Gospel of John, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, and you read that many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name. Key word, underscore it, highlight it, believe, 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 believe. There's so many things in this wonderful gospel of John. And notice the way that he begins. You go to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and and you read of um, Matthew and Luke. You read of the 
uh, nativity scene, Bethlehem. And then you go to Mark and you're introduced to John the Baptist. But with John, you are introduced with the Word. The Word in the beginning was the, the Word. And the Word in the Greek is Logos. And Logos was a term that um, was first used by a Greek guy, Heraclitus, back in 600s BC. And he said that the word for the, this is uh, Greek philosophy, the word is that entity combined with reason about our world today in which we live, that there's life, there's death, a flower grows and then it begins to die. Why is this? Word and reason, the logos, the reason behind the word. And you know, so many people today that I meet and talk to, nothing's changed. We've got the Greek philosophers here everywhere. There's still that mindset. Um, I spoke to an agnostic the other day. Oh, yeah, I believe there's a higher power out there. So a lot of people will give credence to that and affirm that. But when it comes to the word, who is the word? John answers this and, of course, counters a lot of heresies that were prevalent within the early church, such as Arianism. And they state that there is no such person as the, the Jesus here in, in, the, in the scriptures that we read about. He was a created being. He's like an angel, like Jehovah Witnesses. They believe that. The Christadelphians, the Mormons, Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. And we have so many other groups of people and teachings and doctrines that believe that Jesus Christ is a created being or he's, a, he's Michael, the archangel, somebody like that. Now, when you sit down and talk to these people, they'll tick the boxes with a lot of the other doctrines. But you know what? If you get one cardinal doctrine wrong and you were in that, you're way off track. For example, from the age of 20 to 24, I used to take a week off from studying or whatever I was doing back then <laughs> and hire a plane and go flying to remote places, outback, Andamooka, South Australia, the Birdsville Track, Bulya, Quilpe, Thargaminda, just a whole lot of these different places. And I remember the, the pilot, Alan, I'd say, Alan, um, Look, if you have a heart attack, um, I don't know what to do. Can you give me some flying instructions about how to get this baby down <laughs> in one piece? Um, and so he did. So I had a few hours of lessons up there, about 7,000 feet above sea level. Well, things were going good. I remember my first lesson. I said, keep your eyes. Oh, it was a Cessna 172, so it didn't have autopilot. So this is it. So you had to manually fly the thing and keep your eyes on the instruments, the indicator finder uh, or direction finder and, and the compass and altitude and speed, etc., etc. And so things are going good for a while. Next minute, I'm looking down at the landscape, think, oh, wow, that looks so good. 
And next minute, what happens? You're off course. And that happens so easily, so quickly. So the point I want to make out of that is you only need to get off course with one doctrine, major important doctrine, and you're going to end up becoming a spiritual wreck. You need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. He is the pre-existent one. He was there before the beginning. So question, question for you. We read, in the beginning was the Word. Is that the beginning of eternity? No, because eternity has no beginning and has no end. Eternity is eternal. No beginning, no end. And Jesus is eternity. He is pre-existent. For example, here we read in the imperfect tense, was. In the beginning, was, was is imperfect. Now, four times in verse 1 to 2, you read of the imperfect tense, was. Now, was, if you remember from school, the imperfect tense is a continual existence, continuous state. So if you use that for those two verses, in the beginning, continually existed the word. And then use that for the other three was was <laughs> you see that the word was there in the beginning right there in the beginning in eternity with god actually before the beginning so why is it that so many people don't see it well you need your eyes opened and you can't make people see you need the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy to bang your head and you think, man, I've tried to talk with this person about who Jesus is and they just don't get it. Why? Well, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They just don't get it. You go to John chapter 8, verse 47, and Jesus said that he that is of God hears God's word. You therefore hear them not. Why? Because you are not of God. So we need to be spiritually in tune with the Father and have ears to hear. Otherwise, it does not make sense to us. It's nonsense. He's eternal. And then in John chapter 8, you go down a bit further, and from verse 56, um, Jesus is talking about who he is. And he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. And they said, you're not even 50 years of age and you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, your translation's got most assuredly. But actually in the Greek, it's amen, amen. So it's a double amen. And when you see a double amen, there's double emphasis on it. So take twice as much attention when you read a double amen. 
I say to you, before Abraham was, I, I am, I am, I am the eternal, everlasting God. I am that I am. Those are the words that God spoke to Moses when he said, Lord, who shall I say sent me to the children of Israel? God said, you tell them, I am, has sent you, has sent me to you. He's the eternal one. He's the pre-existent one. And he's the one that we can go to with whatever. Because he's eternal. He's existed. There's no point in time where Jesus was not. He is who he's claimed to be, he is the eternal God. And that gives us hope and strength. And maybe you're struggling in your life and you're thinking, man, you know, um, who, do I, who do I call upon? Well, you call upon God because if you're here today, we're all born sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. But if you're here today and you know Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, You are a daughter of the king of the universe. You are a son of God. And God is your father, your heavenly father. So in your practice, or as a teacher with your students, or as a student, or as a worker, whatever you do, God is your heavenly father. Deuteronomy 33, 27, the everlasting God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He's there for you. Call upon his name. He's pre-existent. We also see that not only his pre-existence, in the beginning was the Word, but the Word was with God. With God, underscore with, very important word. With is co-equal with God. God, the Word is co-equal with God. The Word is Jesus. And all you've got to do is drop down the verse 14, and that gives you a clear explanation of who the Word is. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is co-equal with God. He is the Word, and the Word became flesh, and the Word is God. He is deity. He is equal with God. He's on the same par with God. He is not less than God. Now go down to verse 2. And you read, and it's a demonstrative. This one in the Greek was in the beginning with God, or he, personal pronoun, but it's a demonstrative pronoun. When I was a youth pastor in Switzerland, um, well, I was pastoring a youth with other pastors, a church of about eight to 900 people. 
and there were a lot of attractive single ladies within the church. And one day, Verena happened to come to church, and then I knew. I thought, wow, this one. Wow, she's the gotta be the one. I just knew it. This one, she was distinguished to me from all the rest. And here we have the word, this one, he is in the beginning with God. He was in the beginning with God and, of course, was, again, in perfect tense there. I was at an airport some time ago and I got to talk with a guy and he said that, you know, I believe God, I believe that Jesus was a good moral teacher. And I said to him, do you know C.S. Lewis, you've probably never heard of him, but anyway, there's a prominent author, C.S. Lewis, and um, he uh, wrote a book and he said this, Jesus Christ was either the greatest lunatic that ever lived, he was the greatest liar that we've ever heard, or he is Lord. So when you say that Jesus Christ was a great good moral teacher, you're automatically taking off the two top ones, Lord and lunatic, and you have to claim that Jesus Christ is Lord because he can't be the, the other two. If you're saying that Jesus Christ is a good moral teacher, he has to be Lord. And so many people just do not see it. And once again, may I reiterate, we have to pray when we talk to people that God will open their eyes to the truth, to the truth because it is only the truth that sets people free. I've met people that said, oh, I had uh, used to, up on the Sunshine Coast, I'd take the Bible, go to a cafe, sit down, and then just wait and pray and ask God to lead people. And it was interesting to see the, oh, what's that? That's the, and of course, the hard copy, this, like, I've got this big black Bible, I just thought I'll take this, put it there. And it's interesting. Oh, is that, I had one person, is that the Bible? You know, the, the whole physiognomy expression, is that the Bible? I said, yeah, it is. Would you, do you want to know a bit about the Bible? Oh, no, 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 no. But then others had the opportunity of, of sharing the gospel because God in his providence would just draw them and sit with me and that ended up becoming quite quite a group so I remember one time I had a psychiatrist a yoga instruction teacher a bikey and and it was just very interesting to have this group of people just sitting there and we're opening the scriptures and we're talking about them but I remember the yoga instructor said look I like the Jesus of the New Testament but I 
don't like the God of the Old Testament. And I said, well, you can't have it that way because Jesus said in John 15, 26, that he that hates me hates my father also. You can't have it both ways. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. Oh, no, but, but, it, re but it reads, you'd read the God of the Old Testament. He's, he's, he's so harsh. And that's the holiness of God. And once again, people need to see. That's why John writes. Go to the first letter of John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show to you that eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested to us. I mean, how clear can you get? We've, we've handled him. Jesus, we've felt him. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas when Thomas said, that the other disciples saw Jesus and he said, look, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my fingers into his nail prints, thrust them into his side eight days later. Guess who rocks up? Jesus. He says, Thomas, come here. And don't be faithless but believing. Thrust your fingers into the nail prints, your hand in my side. And Thomas said, do you remember what Thomas said? My Lord and my God. What a confession of deity. Jesus is the word. He is co-equal with God. That coexistence of the word was always there with the Father. The modus operandi of the religious leaders was always to trap Jesus out on, well, not only that, but that was the main premise that they would attack. And in Matthew chapter 22, from verse 42, Jesus asks them a question. Who do you say that the Messiah is. Who do you say he is? Oh, he's the son of David. And then Jesus goes to Psalm 110, verse 1, and he says, how is it then that David in spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. If David calls him Lord, then how can he be his son? Oh, well, they didn't know the answer to that one. They were shot down in flames by the word of God and they never dared ask Jesus another question after that. It was finished, period. The word of God is spoken. And dear friends, the word of God is the only thing that will never pass away. Everything else will pass away but not God's word Matthew 24 35 heaven and earth will pass away his word will not pass away and when you're drawn to Jesus Christ you know who you are I meet so many people young people that I used to teach for many years to older people, older student, middle-aged people and the very elderly. And so many people don't know who they are. 
They're suffering from an identity crisis, and probably today more than any other time in the epoch of history. Wow, so many people don't know who they are. And so I share with them the one who came into this world to give us identity. And when you're born again and become a child of God, you know who you are. At the age of 15, when I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and was drawn to him at a camp at Lennox Head near Ballina, I knew without a shadow of doubt who I was, that I was a child of God. I had identity. I had value. I had worth in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got the word of God to prove it, to affirm it. It's right here. You know who you are. You're a child of God. You have worth. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What a powerful statement, unmistakable of Christ's deity, that he is who we claim to be. The Word is Jesus Christ, who has come in the flesh. He's equal with God. And then we go on and read that all things were created by him and there was nothing made that was without him. Nothing was made that was made. I don't know what your translation reads, but all things were created by him. Jesus Christ, the word is the creator of all things. They go back to the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, who created? God created. And what did God create? He created something out of nothing. What is nothing? No thing. Nothing is no thing. It's nothing. God spoke the world. Every tiny, minute particle was created by the word of God. He's the God that creates. And he's the one that brings something out of nothing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? By the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. He created it by the word, the breath of his mouth. He is the God who creates ex nihilia. Colossians chapter 1, 16 and 17. For by him were all things that are, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Very important, for him. Why were we created to worship God? And verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1 says, And by him all things consist, very important word in the original, held together. Remember at high school studying atoms and electrons, protons, neutrons, the whole thing. You think, man, isn't this fascinating? But what holds, what holds these particles together? And you get some 
scientific explanation. Actually, the biblical explanation is that God holds everything together by the word of his power. Oh, what's the apex of God's creation? What is it? You and I. We were made in the Imago day, the image of God. God created us, you and I. And we're a f- fascinating piece of work by the master himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, created. And I, I love anatomy and a biology and I've always loved astronomy and studying the planets and the galaxies and the universe and looking at how things move and work. And it's always fascinated me. But you know what fascinates me more than any of these other subjects is the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We become new people in Christ. Now go down to verse 12. And I've mentioned this one before, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right, the authority to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Now, verse 13, this is the pivotal one, okay? Because a lot of people stop at that one, but you've got to look at verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of who? But of God. You and I were created by God. We're born into his family. And that's wonderful, isn't it? Because he's the one who draws us to himself. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ if you know him today. A new creation, a wonderful creation because the old is gone and the new has come. So what happens? Okay, so you hear the word of God. And then the seed, the word of God, germinates in here. It drops from the head down into the heart. Now, a lot of people, it just stops here. I met people who all their life they've gone to church. They've heard, they've sat under the preaching and teaching, and it just stays up here in the control tower up here. But it doesn't drop down here so many centimetres into their hearts. And this is what happens. The Holy Spirit germinates that seed. It drops down here. And we become alive. And we're born again by the Spirit of God. And this book, the Bible becomes alive to us. It's not just a historical book or 66 books of different genre of this, that, and the other. No, it becomes alive. It's the living Word of God, Hebrews 4.12. And it begins to make sense to us. New creation. We're born again or born from above. Remember the key word that I said to you, believe. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you may have life in his name. And that takes us to our last point. 
So Jesus Christ, he is God, he is the word, he is pre-existent, he is co-existent. He is the one who created all things. So he has to be God. In order for God to create, he has to be God. In order for the word to create, who is Jesus, he has to be God. He cannot be any other. But he's also the one who is life. And that's what these verses are pointing to now. In him is life. And the life is the light of man or humanity. So when Jesus came into this world, he brought life because he is life. He's the source of life. And light will always dispel the darkness. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the, the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. I have come as a light in this world. And John the Baptist is pointing to one. It's not me, guys. It's not me. It's Jesus Christ. He's the Lamb of God. Look to him. He's the Savior. He's the one of the Old Testament. You go to the Old Testament and you read passages such as Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This one in the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament who is life. He came to bring life into this world. And the life is in his word. The psalmist says, Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We have the written word. We have the spoken word, the rima, the spoken word. We have the written word. We have the one who is the word, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has come into this world to give us life and light. And light will always dispel the darkness. In him is life. Go to John chapter 11, verse 25. And remember Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Jesus came and said to Martha, Martha said, Lord, if you'd been here, our brother Lazarus would not have died. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they will die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus said to Martha. Do you believe this? And she answered and said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God that should come into the world. What a confession. We heard it earlier on from Peter and we're hearing it from Martha and we're hearing it all through the gospel of people who confess and the book of Acts and the letters of Paul, etc., people who came to faith through the one who is the word who has life. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, 
and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now you and I reflect the light. Just as the sun's reflection of its rays, at night time you'll see it on the moon and other planets. You and I reflect the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of, the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. When you come to Jesus Christ, you have the spirit within you. You are a new person and you are light and salt in this world. So my dear friends, be light and be salt in this world, in your work. Whatever you do, be light, be salt. You reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in what you say and what you do. And friends, if we live a life that isn't pleasing to God, we're going to give an account before the Holy God one day of our lives. So let's live a sanctified life. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Dan, it, it, it interests me. I'd really like to know about this Jesus, who he is. You can come to him today. You can call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is free. It is today. Don't procrastinate. Put it off. You don't want to put off with your salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord today. Today is the day of salvation. Who do you say? Jesus here? Is he a good, good guy that lived 2,000 years ago, did a lot of miracles and wonders? Who do you say Jesus is? Can you use the personal pronoun? Can you say, do you know what, Dan? Jesus is my Lord and my Saviour. He's the one that has saved me, redeemed me. He's the one that has come into this world 2,000 years ago. He's the one that died on the cross for my sins and washed them all away. And I'm a new person in Christ. Can you say that? I hope and trust you can. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for your wonderful word and we've just skimmed it today. There is so much in this prologue of your word Father, we thank you that you are the one who sent your only begotten Son, the Word, into this world. We thank you that the Word is Jesus Christ, the one who is pre-existent, the one who is co-eternal, and the one who has life within himself. And we thank you that you are not dependent upon anything or anyone. You are the God who has always existed. In him is life, and the life is the light of man. We thank you and praise you for your word today. And may it not only, Lord, challenge us, but may it, Lord, strengthen us to be the people of God you've called us to be. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.